Welcome, you're listening to RUF at the University of Oklahoma. Tonight we're going to talk about the end times. Alright, the strangeness of Christianity, part of the strangeness of Christianity is we have an end time scheme. Now, most of us don't get up every morning thinking about the end of the world, uh, do we? This is, I mean, we, we've, in our experience, we always, the world keeps on going, and everything just kind of goes just like it was the day before, uh, but there is an end time scheme. Now, in Stephen Hawking's work, it's like his idea, his latest theory of how the world's going to end is uh, the world's going to, or the universe is expanding, and ultimately we're going to expand so much in the universe that everything's going to get really cold and we're all going to die. Okay, that sounds terrible. Um, or an asteroid's going to hit us sometime, and, that, and there's, you know, you've seen movies about this, asteroid's going to hit us, and Armageddon, and Ben Affleck, and it's going to be, he's going to save the day, yeah, so that's all, all great. So, um, there, but there's a fear of that, and it's called phenotophobia, phenotophobia, um, fear of dying by mass extinction, crazy. <laughs> Walking Dead uh, is another end time scenario, The Walking Dead, well, so the point of tonight is not just to dwell on the end of the world, but to be prepared for the end of the world. So Jesus wanted to teach us what that meant, and so he loves us so much, he wants to tell us about God, us, and, our, and all that we're called to do through stories, because he knows that we connect through stories. And so all this semester, as we do in RUF, we go through books of the Bible. This year we've been going through the stories that Jesus told, the parables, the gospels, the gospel stories. So... We don't want to be unprepared for the end, so Jesus wants to tell us a story that will resonate with us. And uh, I'm thankful for Maddie Masters. Uh, Maddie Masters. She is very. Uh, she's a very thankful, uh, very wonderful freshman in our group. Thankful for her. Um, and so I, I just one reason, uh, many reasons, but one reason is I was going to freshman lunch last week, and I had left my wallet at home. And so Maddie Masters is there to scan me in and because I was unprepared. She was extra prepared, and she got both myself and Emily Shupak into the cafeteria. That's a good friend, okay? So y'all are, y'all are wonderful to each other, and thank you for that. You know, had I been prepared, had I, had I you know, the night before set out all of my stuff and not been scrambling out the door at the last minute, I wouldn't have forgot that I left my wallet and my other jacket and that I didn't, I didn't change it out. So I was unprepared for this inevitability of getting to lunch and not having a wallet. That's not a good thing. So let me tell you all a quick story um, from Paris. Uh, not a bad story, uh, kind of a funny story. This is bad timing, but um, awful timing. There's a, there a thief, okay, it's about an art thief. He was caught stealing paintings out of the Louvre in Paris, and then um, actually his getaway van ran, a, ran out of fuel. You know, that's just, that's awful, isn't it? Like, like terrible, right? So, you know, like, you, you think you would be better prepared for this, right? Yeah, so uh, he, he, um, he told, you know, you might have heard this before, but when, when they're asking him, you know, why why did you run out of fuel? Why, why didn't you plan for that? He says, you know, it's simple. You know, I had no money for the day, the gas to make the van go. So, boom. Okay. That's funny. I don't care who you're from, corny, but, uh, but yeah. Okay. We're getting in. I know. Horrible. Okay. All right. How do you how do you recover from this? Okay. All right. Let's move it back on course. Okay. Cutting. Okay. 
Cutting away from that, forget that, take it out of your mind. Okay, bad preparation ends up poorly, okay? They, uh, there's a proverb that says, you know, those that are the best at improving prepare the best, actually. So it's not like there's, you know, off the top of their head they're really good, but they've really prepared for improving well. So when, when the end of the world comes, when Jesus returns, in our scheme, we believe that Jesus returns to set up a kingdom, uh, there's a need to be prepared. There's wisdom there. There's foolishness and wisdom. And, and you guys get that because you're on a college campus. College coursework is preparing you. You know that when you cut corners and studying, it does not go well. You need to be absolutely prepared for the exam, for the, for the paper, for everything you're doing. And so here we have in this story that should be big, <laughs> small stories, big ideas. We're reading Matthew 25, 1 through 13. Let's just read. It's in front of you on your handout. It's also on the big board here. So let's read it together. We're going to read the, hear the Word of God. I mean, these are not just words on the page, y'all, but this is the very Word of God written to us for our instruction in godliness and to know God. Let's hear it. So then the kingdom of heaven will be like the ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Let's bow and pray real fast. Dear God, we thank you, Heavenly Father, for words of instruction uh, put in the form of a story about a, a, a day that was supposed to be very joyful for these, for these women uh, and how um, their preparation was very important for their being able to experience that. And we pray that you would now prepare our hearts to hear that message, of that gospel message, that message of grace, would you open up our eyes and our ears and our hearts to receive it by your Spirit, and we will give you glory. We pray. We need your help. In Christ's name we pray for his sake. Amen. Okay, so the bridegroom in this story was coming from a distant place. Now this is you know, not like our weddings at all. You know, usually they're they all kind of happen in one building, right? One, and, the, and the bridegroom doesn't just show up. The bridegroom being the groom doesn't just show up after a long delay from distant land and show up at the house or wherever. It's kind of, is, that, is that how it worked for you, Mary and John Robert? No, it wasn't like that at all, right? You showed up whenever you want to get there. Everyone's kind of nervous. Is he going to show up? When's John Robert going to be here? Um, so it's evening. It's getting late in the story. The guests are, and the bride are all there. The the ten virgins, or I would, I think we safely call them bridesmaids. Those are the, the bridesmaids, attendants. They've gathered there at the home. They're going to be this entourage or posse that's going to lead 
the bridegroom or the groom to this to the place. And so they have their lamps or their like torches, and they all have the intention to go out and meet the bridegroom, and they're all like in so many ways. They're looking forward to escorting that bridegroom, and they're all you know longing for that time, and it's gonna be a great time. No one knows when that's gonna happen. And then of course they all it takes so long, they all fall asleep. And so then when the bridegroom, we just read it, he shows up finally at like midnight, and somebody starts shouting from distance, and they hear, and they all wake up. Well, the, the point here is five of them were wise, and five were foolish. Five of them had forethought, and, and then five of them didn't. Okay? And so the, some of them were like, hey, well, you know, like, kind of like the, 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 wise, or the foolish ones were like, hey, give us, give us some of your oil. It's kind of like, I, I like to picture, you know, Napoleon Dynamite and the guy's like, give me some of your tots. He's like, no way. <laughs> like, hey, if I give you some of my tots, I'm not going to have any. You know, like, so, like, so, so if they, if, if the wise ones give, you know, split up the oil, then they're all going to run out of oil and they're all going to be standing around in the dark and not get to where they're going to go. Okay, they can't, there's not enough to share. And so they say, well, go buy your own. Then, then before they get back, they're left out to close door. They're shut out. It's a very unhappy ending for these five bridesmaids or virgins. Okay, terrible ending for them. Okay, and that's that's a that's an awful way to end, but it's a very sobering way to end. You know, what is what are we doing with our lives? Where are we going? Are we going somewhere? Are we prepared for the future, for the second coming of Christ, the Lord? Where are we going? Uh, there's going to be a day when the, the end is going to come, and things like Paris, France will be judged. Uh, things like terrorism will be judged. Uh, all the, all the, the tears will be wiped away. All the death will be overturned. There's going to be a new heaven, new earth. A day in which sin will be abolished and Christ will reign uh, in all of His fullness. And He's brought a people together from all the, all the nations to dwell with Him in harmony and peace. It's going to be wonderful. Okay, And, and to be unprepared for that is just not an option. Okay, so we're going to have three, three points today uh, that were, one, we can be unprepared, two, is we can have dumb, prepa- dumb preparation, or three, good preparation. Okay, so first, no preparation, okay? No preparation. So this is supposed to be a happy time, a joyous time, the second coming is going to be a great thing. It's good news, okay? And so it's, it's, a, it's a very interesting that he calls it like a wedding. Oh, a wedding, a joyous celebration, one of the biggest events in their lives. It's the second coming is like good news. And so we've got this tension in our lives of, of the business of life and sort of the rest of life, okay, like activity. And so when you think about your, maybe your religious life, there's this tension of like, okay, I need to be doing, I feel like I need to be doing something, okay, but what, am I, what do I need to really be doing? And so there's one, there's one sense and we could, we could fall into a thing called antinomianism, okay? We could fall, I'm going to throw around a lot of theological jargon at you, but antinomianism is like, really, it doesn't matter what I do. This kind of thinking of like, my life, in my life, following the law of God, it doesn't matter. I'm anti-law, okay? And so I, I'm, I get to this point where I'm antinomian, and I'm just like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some things Christian, and I'm going to do some things less Christian, and, and not really focus on Christian, someone I only kind of be a halfway kind of Christian in some ways. And so wisdom, that's not wisdom at all. That's foolishness. Wisdom is 
end focus or eschatologically focused. It's working with an end in mind. It's moving towards it. So if you wanna if you wanna learn how to jump higher, um, you probably need to do a lot of bench presses, right? Okay, bench presses would be chest, right? So that'd be that would make no sense, right? You'd want to do like jumping and and squats or you know sprints or, or bleachers like uh, Tony does, you know, all the time. I mean, like you want to you'd want to yeah yeah. So you'd want to do those kind of things, uh, working towards purpose. And so God gives us this kind of way of living of, to be like Christ and prepare for Him. And, and he, he says here, do this. You know, stop sinning and go do this. If there's a bridegroom coming, you know he's coming. You've got, a, you've got jobs to do in order to be ready. Okay? Wouldn't it make sense to think seriously? To think, hey, have I done what I'm supposed to do to accomplish that task? To do my task for my, for my bridegroom who's coming, this person I'm serving, to get ready for his arrival. Um, so, that, so there's uh, the, just kind of the laziness of I'm not going to pay any attention to this. And that really makes no sense in our lives. Like, when we have a big event, we always need to prepare. I'll never forget my, one of my, I mean, there's a million, I have a million of these. I'm very scatterbrained if you, if you can't tell. Uh, but when I was um, in much in, about your age, I was in 11th grade, actually, a little bit younger than you. Uh, but I was, I was trying to take the SAT, and I, you know, was in, I was in, I grew up in, yeah, I grew up in, North, in Sherwood, Arkansas. And this is before the internet. I mean, there was no Google. There was no Google Maps. So, so I'm in Sherwood, Arkansas, and the test is at Little Rock Hall High School. Okay, and that's in Little Rock. I don't go to Little Rock. So, so my, my parents say, "Well, go take the test," and it's like at eight in the morning. This random high school I've never been to, and I drove around from like seven thirty until about eleven o'clock, looking for the high school. I had no idea where I was going. Like, because hey, I didn't I didn't prepare. <laughs> that's terrible. That's simply lazy, you know, like, I mean, like, so wasting my money, my time, just the embarrassed, sheer embarrassment of, like, coming home, and they're like, how was it? And I'm like, I didn't take it, because I didn't find it. <laughs> I could not find the SAT. I mean, <laughs> you talk about a guy with no, with no oil in his lamp, I'm that guy. You know, like, so unprepared to the extreme. I will. I feel like I can wing it and get there fine. I don't need to mess around looking up the map, you know, before. So thankfully, we have our phones because we're idiots, and they save our bacon countless times now. Yeah. So, so there's unpreparedness. It's simply laziness, and that's kind of what these these foolish, you know, bridesmaids were doing. Was just being anti. You know, preparation or antinomy or, or unescalogically focused, unwise, not thinking about the end in sight, the end in mind, not thinking about the task they had to accomplish. They're just having a good time. Sounds a lot like us, doesn't it? Um, there's another way of, of preparation besides just simply failure to prepare. There's dumb preparation. It's like working really hard, uh, but it kind of is for nothing, for no, to no end, right? Um, and you've seen this, you know, people who are doing, you know, it's just, they're doing the, the, a lot of hard work, but it's getting them absolutely nowhere. I think of Rudy in the movie, The Rudy. <laughs> like, he is busting his tail trying to get into a football game in Notre Dame, and it's like he gets in one, one play, okay? Like, this is an old movie, um, so I'll update my references soon, sooner or later. But, uh, but Rudy, like, kills himself to get in for one play in a Notre Dame football game. You're like, man, you spent so much work on that. What were you doing? Couldn't you have found something you had a better, like, that you're, like, 
that a, that a five, six, you know, 150 pound man is more suited for than playing Notre Dame football. I mean, so, so there's like, so, he, but he, he got in, he got his one play, you know, so he proved himself, right? He worked really hard. So um, some of us in our dumb preparation are working as if our acceptance with God depended upon our hard work. Okay, and I would call that uh, the opposite extreme of antinomianism, or kind of, I'm not going to do anything with the law, but legalism. Okay, I'm, I'm going to moralistically try to impress God by doing a lot of good stuff. Okay, just like we try to impress everybody. We build a resume. We work really hard to show off how good we are. We try to impress people, and you try to be funny, to impress a girl, and try to, to work on your abs, try to work on, you know, your squats, you know, whatever, whatever you're going to do. To show off, okay? Uh huh. Yep. If you're trying, but my contention is if you're trying to justify your existence rather than improving your existence, you may have never really believed the gospel. If you're trying to justify your existence rather than improving your existence, you may have never uh, believed the gospel, okay? Um, Because if we um, are Christians, with, with, with air quotes on that. If we're Christians who either don't do anything or feel like we've already, you know, or we've got to do everything, then, then, we, then we've missed it. Okay, some of us, like I said earlier, some of us feel like we don't have to do anything. Why? Because we've already, already, we've already accomplished everything. Okay, if, if Christianity is me um, preparing in the sense of I made a decision for Christ, it's all about me and saving me, and that's it, then I don't do anything. If, it, if, if my whole relationship with God is just me, 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 and getting out of hell, then me saying a prayer and believing in Jesus is everything. And I do nothing. Okay, so it's like everything about Christianity is on me. But I'm going to say, like, yes, salvation is the biggest part of the good news, but there is absolutely more. That's just the, the, the lobby to the mansion of, of, the, of, the, of the beauty of knowing God is that when we're with God, he drives us onto a mission and a new, a new purpose and gives us hope that He's moving this world somewhere, not to just a, a cold and, and terrible death, right? But there, there's goodness uh, for our future and purpose in us. So, so we have a whole new way of looking at life um, that's, that makes preparation or work better than simply just trying to prove ourselves or feeling like it's worthless, we've got hope for, our, for doing good things, okay? So I don't know about you guys, but when you're growing up, you think of Christianity being like, you got to get your profanity under control, you, get, you, you can't drink a lot of alcohol, uh, and you can't run around with, with boys or girls, you know, and, and you know, get into bad, thing, bad situations with them. And so um, maybe you've accomplished those three tasks, okay? And so you're like, well, I'm good. Okay, what do I do now? Well, there's a whole lot more to do to repair. There's a whole lot more to do uh, to, to be a witness for, for, the, for the gospel in this life than those three things. And I want to talk to you about that thing today. Um, so there's a mission that we're on. We, we all have a mission or a calling. And so think about what you're good at. Think about what you could, how, how you could use your talents to do stuff. That's good preparation, you know. Um, Doing what, doing something for the gospel, okay. Doing something for God who saved you, uh, out of gratitude and, and thankfulness, and a, as a witness, 
is a calling, a new calling. And so that's not dumb preparation. That's not trying to prove yourself or not doing nothing at all. It's doing something with a purpose or an end in mind that God is going to redeem all things. And so your gifts are a part of that plan. He's bringing about redemption for people all over the world in a multitude of ways through you. And so your service has a point. So good, rep- good preparation, the last point, is working for God because he's building a place for his accepted ones. He's building a place, a home. Okay? He says he's, he's going away to prepare a place for you, and he's sending his spirit. So then John 14. And so preparation is what I like to think of as an attitude. It's a commitment. It's a lifestyle. So what is the attitude? The attitude of preparation is repentance. Now, so what leads to that is the gospel. Okay, so, so I need to repent because I'm a sinner. I have to say I'm a bad guy and Jesus needed to, to come and die for me so that I could be saved. That's the gospel. Okay, the gospel is that Jesus fully prepared to accept me, knowing who I am, knowing all my sins in the past and present, all of them that are future. He knew all those things and he was going to go and, and lay his down, lay his life down on a cross for me, be resurrected for me, for my justification, so I could be his righteousness and he could be my sin, and that could be forever abolished as it stands with me through faith. That's the gospel that I believe in. That and accept that as my own is my only hope. That's the gospel. So Jesus fully, fully, fully handling my salvation for me is the gospel. And so my repentance is driven by that. My attitude is driven by that of humility. Of I needed, I needed God that badly because I was that, I was that bad of a guy that Jesus had to die for me. And so I can deal humbly with people. I can live a life of repentance of always seeking to turn away from sins that so easily entangled me and then leave those and go towards Jesus. Repentance. Um, it's also uh, preparation is a commitment. It's a willingness to be on mission, to be willingness to, to serve, to, to take on, you know, to think about, okay, so how do I know what I'm going to do when I graduate? I don't know what I'm going to do when I, when I leave this place, when I leave OU, or while I'm at OU. Well, typically the way we decide what we're going to do is what way is going to give me the most money, okay? Like, my, okay, I want to find the job that, that gives me the most money or the most resources, Right. But I don't know if that's actually the, like the, the commitment we want to make, okay? Because uh, is that really going to satisfy us? There's got to be a better way than just the most money. And so there's a new commitment to, to a God who's committed himself fully to me to do something for him. So I, wanna, I will look at my gifts, what's God made me good at, that I can use to serve him and make that my, my, my guiding commitment, okay? A new lifestyle. So go somewhere, okay? Be on mission. And I wanted to have a few more. Is there a couple more? Oh, they're, they're up there, okay. Okay, so just a, a kind of a summary of this new mission or good preparation. Uh, the first one is in Matthew 25, or I think it's 20, actually 24. Um, yeah, but it's, it's, that's fine. Okay, it says this, um, And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So, so our, our calling, our mission is to proclaim the gospel to all the nations, and the end will come. So it's directly related to... What we're talking about here is the bridegroom making his appearance, the incoming. Well, that coincides with the gospel being proclaimed to all the nations. When's the incoming? We don't know, but probably when the gospel is proclaimed to all the nations. Okay, that work? Okay. All right, so next. Jesus, uh, next one is the Matthew 28. It says, this is Jesus' last words to the disciples before he's uh, sending in heaven. He says, 
All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and beholding, or behold, I am with you even to the end of the age, with you always. Um, that's a, that's a great, that's a great, okay, what's my, what's my purpose in life? I want to reach people. I want to help them to get baptized and know the gospel, believe the gospel, enter into community with God, and I want to teach them to obey everything he's commanded. I want to, I want to lead them to that. And that's not just a professional Christian's or the, an institutional church's calling. That is a disciple's calling. A disciple's calling is to make other disciples. That's what we're called to do. Uh, the next one, Acts 1.8. Oh, yeah. Okay. It says, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and the end of the earth. We're to receive power from our relationship with God as He, as he gives us this Holy Spirit to remember Christ and to, sh- and to show forth His power to be witnesses to our, to our local place, which in their context is Jerusalem, on to the ends of the earth. All right? That's where we're moving. And then the last one. Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Um, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Uh, to wherever, we, wherever he does call us, whatever the talents he gives us, we're to give those to the glory of God for the sake of these purposes, making disciples. And one more, right? Oh, good. Revelation. The book of Revelation. Uh, okay, so re- look with me on this one. Then I saw a new heaven, a new earth. For the first heaven and first earth had passed away. The sea was no more. I saw the holy city of New Jerusalem coming down out of the heaven from God, prepares a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And so as we are working, we're working towards that day. We're bringing about a new day as God does that. He's bringing people into this beautiful reality of a new heaven and a new earth. And so again, if you're in business, if you're going to go into business, medicine, uh, law, um, engineering, wherever you're going to go, say, why did God make you good at that? Pastoring. Why did, make God, why did God make you good at that? Being a, being a mom, why, did God, why would God make you good at, at raising kids, being a father? Well, it's not just so you can have you know, the last third of your life to be free on vacation, okay, is it? There's a greater purpose. It's to drive us to this place, the new heaven and new earth. It's a great rescue project. It's a great redemption project. God's allowed the sin to come into the world uh, to, 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 to really bring it into disarray and then for his glory to be made known through redeeming it, through people like us, uh, as Jesus works in and through us. And so our talents are a means of blessing others, a platform to even spread the gospel. Um, so if you are a stay-at-home, a stay-at-home mom, one, one author wrote this. This is great. Um, his wife was kind of thinking about the advancing the mission thing here. And so his wife, it says here, views the rearing of our four children as serious. So she's actually super holy because she's got four children, just like me. Um, so um, she says she's serious, spiritual, missionary work. Ask her what she does, and she'll say she's a missionary to the unreached people group known as the Greer children. And that's what my wife ought to say, too. The Westmoreland children, right? Um, 
an unreached people group known as the Westmore Children. Okay, or to borrow the words of another Christian mother, I'm socializing four Homo sapiens into the dominant values of the Judeo-Christian tradition in order that they might be instruments for the transformation of the social order in the kind of eschatological utopia that God willed from the beginning of creation. That's that's well thought through, isn't it? Well done, well done, Mama. You know, like that mama is not just you know wiping bottoms and, and wiping noses and putting food on the table. She's raising Homo sapiens into the Christian Judeo tradition that they might be instruments of transformation of the social order into the kind of eschatological utopia that God willed from the beginning of creation. She has mission. Okay, you have to have a mission, or you're going to be going around just unprepared, lazy. You know, messing around. Okay, I'm sh- that that's helpful, is it not? Come up with a mission, on calling for a purpose. And so, finally, in conclusion, here there is a kingdom coming. There's going to be a day in which Jesus is going to be vindicated, and his dream is going to be put into effect. The dream we just read, Revelation 21. There's no second chance finale, okay? There's a a nightmare ending for some. The door is closed. You're shut out, and that's horrible. And the good news is that all the fitness he requires of you, actually, is not your preparation, okay? The good news is that that what he requires is you to feel your need of him and to come to Jesus in faith and rest upon him alone for salvation, okay? Come all you thirsty and weary and He will give you rest. He will give you drink. He will give you wine that you can buy without money. He gives you the gospel. He gives you salvation. He says many of us have been bruised in this life. It says a bruised reed He will not break. Many of us have been set on fire and almost destroyed. The smoking flax He will not quench. There is so much goodness and grace in our God than there is sin in us. There's so much more grace in Him than there's sin or brokenness in us. And He's going to turn our nightmares into blessings in the end days. And, and we don't have to live in that nightmare of being shut out anymore. Okay, there is goodness for that. And I, and I want you to believe that. I want you to internalize that. I want you to ask questions about that. And so we're going to have a moment after this where we can ask questions. And I want you to take care to believe that if you're not a believer or not. I want you, if you're, a, if you're here... Today, I want you to start to think about how you can share um, this gospel with other people. Think about working for good. Uh, I want to share with you just a brief quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. It says, um, it may be that that day of judgment will dawn tomorrow. Think about that. What if that happened? If Jesus returns tomorrow. In that case, we will all gladly stop working for a better future, but not before. Okay, he's saying keep on working. Keep on pressing on. Um, knowing that uh, we all have the same amount of hours in our day. Let's prepare. Let's prepare to be on mission. Um, I was reading, uh, uh, this really is the last thing I'm going to say, actually, which is I was reading in Forbes, which I'll, I never do that. Okay, reading on Forbes, okay, which is money thing, okay. Um, but I came across a link to it, and I was like, man, this is awesome. Okay, like it's, a, it's an article about the share economy that we have today. Have you heard of this? The share economy. Unbelievable. Okay, so... Like so, so these guys have gotten together and done these amazing things. Like, it's like one of the one of the uh, apps you can or websites you can have now is Airbnb. Okay, it's a bed and breakfast app, and so people can share their homes or places they own. It's a San Francisco startup company. Like, so in under Airbnb, I've used this before. 
I haven't done this in particular one, but you can stay in a British castle for $151 a night. That's awesome. Okay, so they've taken all these you know, homes, and, and that blows your mind, doesn't it? Okay, because of this website, there's a, there's a British castle not being used, so they're just renting it out to people. Okay, so they're, they're looking, oh, what do we have to, what do we have, what resources do I have that I can use for, for bringing joy to people? Okay, I'd love to stay in a castle. So, um, there's Dog Vacay. There's also an app called Dog Vacay. Okay, you don't have to leave your dog in the kennel, you can leave your dog in someone's home. There's relay rides. Okay, you can, you, there's an app where you can, you can rent your neighbor's car for the day or the hour. Okay, there's, there's that going on. There's a lot of like, interesting ideas where people are like, thinking like, I've got all these resources and abilities I can give. Task Rabbit. You sign up as a rabbit and you can go do stuff for people. You can go find your rabbit. If you need people to do things for you, find your rabbit. Um, there's a lot of things. I mean, like, just, I'm, I'm thinking of all these funny websites that are like amazing ways to make your life better. But I'm like, bringing that back to the gospel is like, your gifts and your talents are for the proclaiming of this gospel because God's doing this. He's bringing in a day in which the end will come and all things will be made right. And our, our, our preparation is to bring the nations to hear this, to bring the nations to, to meet Jesus. That's great. Okay, so let's, uh, let's bow and pray. We'll, we'll have Q&A and singing.